Sam is a disenchanted 33-year-old who discovers a mysterious woman, Sarah, frolicking in his apartment swimming pool. When she vanishes, Sam embarks on a surreal quest across Los Angeles to decode the secret behind her disappearance, leading him into the murkiest depths of mystery, scandal, and conspiracy in the City of Angels. He's having sex doggy style, which that has to be something, right? Um, <laughs> but one of the most genius things happened in this sex scene, and I have to bring to our, everybody's attention. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't condone the punching of kids, but it was good to see it in the movie. Right. Yeah, it has to happen sometimes. Um, your entire yeah. childhood is a lie. Spitting in his face. Kurt Cobain is a phony. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? It's like take. Take that shitty Stratocaster. I don't care. That guy sucked. I made his music. Yeah. I did it. I think it all ties into the Owl's Kiss and that woman. Because I think the Owl's Kiss is... Today, we are going to be talking about Under the Silver Lake. Riley, this was uh, your uh, your suggestion. You, you're yes, the one who brought this movie to the table. Uh, I want to hold off. On, on your thoughts right off the top. Oh. I'm going to start with Remington. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I, have a lot of th- I have a lot of thoughts. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I really, I really loved it, actually. Um, I think there's, depending on how you view unreliable narration, is going to basically create your outlook on this movie. Um, if you like a disenchanted narrator, uh, lead character, who doesn't really have a great grasp on reality and you don't know what's going on. If you like that type of storytelling where you can create layers underneath the actual story, then you're gonna like this film. If not, you're gonna hate it. Um, I like the weird stuff. This is my type of weird. Uh, like we're talking before Mandy, for example, not my type of weird per se, even though that's like a fever dream movie. This is my type of fever dream movie. Um, I'm not really sure what happened in it, but I, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was great all the way around. The acting's good. Uh, story's great. And there's a lot to unpack here. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like, like you're saying, I really like the, uh, the unreliable narrator, anything with, you know, like a lead character that you're rooting for, but you don't totally trust. Uh, I'm, I'm always in on movies like that. Uh, and then also just uh, mysteries that don't have a cop or detective as the lead character. So it's just a regular guy that's trying to figure this stuff out. Um, like Blue Velvet, uh, or I guess it's a kind of a Lynchian thing. Um, that I, I, I'm always in for. And I, I like the way this movie is, the transitions. It's very uh, Hitchcockian. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Very and there's old Hollywood I, vibes coming off of this movie. Totally. And there, there's a lot of things I don't understand about this movie, seeing it three times now. Uh, but yeah, uh, leaning into that also, every TV that we see is playing a old classic movie from the 50s or earlier. Uh, and I'm, I'm not totally sure what that is, but that's, that, just, that's like, just how Los Angeles works. If any TV you walk <laughs> by is, yeah, black and white from the 50 movie. Yeah, but it, it, it certainly adds to the charm and style of the movie, uh, it, you know, at least. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I feel like so ca- calling this movie like fever dreamy is I don't know if it's like I'm I, I'm like 100 percent on board with that 
like framing it in quite that way because it's not necessarily like fever dream it is very like you said the like you have the unreliable narrator who's you know you can't really you're not really sure if he's the good guy he's a slacker call him as he is i was pretty sure (laughs) that like all the dogs that were going missing were like secretly him just like killing off people's dogs in the neighborhood that's what i thought that's not for sure but definitely him um, which i'm still not (laughs) convinced that's not what's been happening (laughs) but that's what like i that's where i thought kind of how the movie was gonna go that he was just like a psychopath um but like we didn't get any actual resolution when it came to that kind of thing in the movie um there's not really a ton of resolution at all that (laughs) happens in this movie just a lot of things happen in this movie i think there's some resolution but we'll get we'll get to that a lot later a lot later um this is a 17 hour podcast (laughs) welcome uh i do like the way it kind of just like the character just kind of exists in this world you know what I mean? He's he's not really, for the most part, other than the like adventure and the investigation that he sets himself on. Outside of that, he doesn't really do anything. Like yeah, it's it, almost it, like he's yeah. the poltergeist that he was blaming the homeless people for being. Right. He's, he's the one floating around, watching people eat delicious food and drinking beer and have well, he has sex. But besides that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. He's just kind of he he's uh, the story pushes him along a lot of the time especially at the beginning um the story kind of pushes him along before he becomes like a very active participant in it mm-hmm. um but also he like ended up having plenty of agency later on throughout the story i do want to say real quick uh the very beginning the sex scene uh where yeah. he is he's having sex doggy style which that has to be something right um <laughs> but one of the most genius things happen in this sex scene and i have to bring to our everybody's attention there is a women's tennis match happening in the back of the sex scene which yeah. that is genius yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean that, that, is, that is truly revolutionary and um that probably deserves um, a Nobel Peace Prize or something along the, those yeah. lines uh, for for that, right? Um. Yeah, it's pretty great because you, you, you can hear the sounds of the tennis and the sex, and oh, then yeah. the camera it's turn, volume, <laughs> and <laughs> then and then you see the tennis match first, and you're like, oh, and then you see them having sex, and <laughs> oh, what so what what is going on here? Yeah, and that's that's when we're first introduced to uh, seventh uh, in in the film as well. And uh, they they call him like the face of Los Angeles, which yeah. I'm like is so is like uh, Leo and Jack and Kobe or are those guys not canon in this film. <laughs> like, <laughs> how is this uh, uh, extreme stuntman uh, philanthropist the, yeah. uh, the the face of Los Angeles? Um, I'm not really sure, but apparently he is uh, billionaire stuntman philanthropist. Yeah, <laughs> billionaire. This guy um, does it all. They just picked like accomplishments out of a hat or right. professions out of it, yeah. you know, like stuntman slash billionaire philanthropist. How how did he leverage that? Did he, was he a billionaire first and then became a stuntman or the other way around? Because I don't think many stuntmen 
become billionaires. Yeah. Very, I but, guarantee not one stuntman has become a billionaire. But also, probably like, hasn't happened. Do you have you ever heard of any billionaires deciding to all of a sudden change careers and become a stuntman? Is is this guy Batman? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of Batman, and Tony Stark. His yeah. Los Angeles is Batman. Is that what this is? Except he doesn't want to help anybody. He just no, he just like, wants to do cool shit. He's like sex and the afterlife is fire. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, okay. He lives underground. He's got a he's got a cave for at least thing. the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> Starting now, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, going back to that sex scene, um, I, I like to I like to call it out whenever I see uh, realism in movies. Uh, and the fact that they're having like normal conversations yeah. while they're just having sex, I, I mm-hmm. it's, it's realism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> a lot of the time in uh, movies you get those like sex scenes where everything's real hot and it's like you know you just see a bunch of sweaty bodies and like fancy music, wind blows open the curtains and it's like ah oh, the most amazing night ever. Most sexual encounters are like, oh, that's a cool poster. (laughs) You like Kurt Cobain too? (laughs) You're both just watching the news. (laughs) They've been around each other for a long time. Like that's that's like married couple sex. That isn't like (laughs) first second time stuff. No, Mm. they've they've been around each other for quite some time. Um, And also, I love when movies have like elements that are like show lasting effects of decisions and things that happen throughout the movie like after he gets sprayed by a skunk he then smells like a skunk for the rest of the movie um yeah you know that that's uh i feel like ultimately a insignificant detail but i enjoy that this you know it shows this world has like rules and consistency. <laughs> well, so well, she, so that's, that's the most consistent thing that happens throughout the movie. <laughs> so, but there's there's an inconsistency with that because she even um, like the first time that she comes into his apartment before he even got blasted by the skunk, she's like, "It smells in here," you know. And he yeah. kind of like comes up with the lie. You could tell it's a fib. Like, oh yeah, there's been skunks around here. And then when he's walking through uh, the apartment complex later later on, he actually sees a skunk and he's like kind of taken aback by like oh shit there's actually skunks around here yeah so the women were picking up on his sense this entire film and it happened even before he got blasted by the skunk so he's he's been given off some type of weird smell uh for quite some time Hmm. maybe it's all the dead rotting dogs that he has stashed in his apartment (laughs) probably part of that too yeah it's like oh it's skunks Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smells yeah, like that's... skunk in here no it's rotting dog yeah it's dead flesh yeah it's Bijan freezes really pissed me off uh, and like especially like when okay we first meet uh what's her name sarah and her dog and then he mm-hmm. like actually introduces her himself instead of just like staring at her from his balcony yeah um he like pulls out the dog treat and is like giving the dog a treat right away. And I was like, he has, doesn't have a dog. And I was already thinking that he might end up being the person stealing and killing all of these neighbors dogs. And I'm (laughs) like, 
So he's just walking around with dog treats in his pocket so he can attract dogs and kill dogs. I'm like, I feel like they're totally setting that up right now (laughs) for that to come out. There was just more and more things piled up. (laughs) More evidence piling up against this guy. Yeah, if you're walking around with dog treats, kind of (laughs) a little red hand there for sure. Not a good look. Um, Although this guy as we know, is a very horny dude. And he knew that the hot girl had a dog. So, um, you know, he seems like a guy that would think one step ahead, maybe at times. So <laughs> giving him the benefit of the doubt, even though he's clearly the psycho dog killer, maybe he was just setting up game later on. Like I got to keep these treats handy just in case I come across them. I don't know. So like <laughs> one of the things like, okay, so like if we were to break it down, like what is it about him that makes him seem like a crazy person? Paranoia is probably uh, the number one yeah. thing. Yeah, this is the paranoia and the like seeing patterns where there's no patterns kind of thing. Like, yeah, and the, the, like, the Vanna White thing he's yeah, talking about. The like mm-hmm. conspiracy theory things. <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah, like that makes him seem crazy. But if we're assuming that like everything in the movie actually happened then he was right <laughs> oh yeah no <laughs> that's the, that's the thing yeah so 100 so it's either that's how crazy the world really is or none of it's real <laughs> and that, that's why i say it's kind of like fever dreamy i know it's not like a textbook fever dream as you were talking about right, earlier right. but like just like i mean you know, he lived, he's living in a, a cooler section of LA. It's not, you know, out of the question to run across, you know, a beautiful blonde girl, you know, that happens obviously, but to be walking and then, you know, she inter- she brings you inside her house instantly. And then a second later, you're hanging out in her bed, kissing her, watching uh, how to marry a millionaire or whatever <laughs> Marilyn Monroe movie, you know, is going on. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems kind of fever dreamy to me because that's never happened to me. <laughs> that, that exact situation never happened like that. <laughs> and like he keeps finding himself in these weird predicaments over and over again. Um, yeah. I don't know. He, he, he locks out really. He, <laughs> in there's a way. Like, I'm jumping around the movie a little bit now, but like, there's like, so he like, there's the scene where he eats the cookie and goes mm-hmm. into the the club or whatever it is the the show, um, and then he starts tripping balls later in the evening, and then further into the movie when he ends up in the desert with the the four people in the white robes, <laughs> and they're all sitting around drinking tea and they offer him a glass of tea he drinks the tea like how many times yeah. do you have to be drugged by a stranger before you stop eating and drinking yeah. things that strangers give to you. Stop putting things in your mouth. <laughs> that was an obvious movie trope. You knew as soon as they gave him that tea, I'm like, that's ayahuasca. That's something. Don't yeah. drink the thing. Just yeah. don't do it. And then he like almost doesn't drink it. And at the very end, he just gobbles it down. Like, oh, you're, you're cooked now. Like, <laughs> Or maybe he knew it was, you know, they're drugging him. And after he had the conversation with, with Sarah, he just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just Jim Jonesing myself right now with the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I want out. It's like pulls out a thermos. It's like, I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to get home. 
So this is my last day in the apartment. <laughs> I'm going to leave them a surprise on the bed. Uh, how about, uh, it's just a, just a quick scene, uh, but it, it, I thought it was really cool. The, uh, when he gets the gum stuck on his, on his hand and then he wakes up the next morning and his hand is stuck to the Spider-Man mag, uh, yeah. comic book. That's, that's so good. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a little on the nose, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've talked smack about uh, Garfield for those Spider-Man movies on this podcast before. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say I thought Garfield was awesome in this film. Yeah. Uh, he really nailed it the entire way through. I thought he was great. Uh, so I do, uh, I can admit when I'm wrong about somebody, even though I'm not wrong with what I was saying before. He just, he got mad. Yeah, you're not wrong about those movies. (laughs) Yeah, no, right, right. (laughs) Garfield's good though. He's a a good actor. There's there's a lot of people in those Spider-Man movies who are better than that Spider-Man movie. (laughs) Most of the people, (laughs) most of the actors in those movies are much, much better, much higher caliber than that movie suggests. (laughs) That's the only movie. Yeah, if you take all the talent that's in those movies, like, and made another movie with it, it would be a great movie. Like, the the sum of its parts. That money that they spent on that, too? Like, they they could make something really cool. (laughs) Yeah. This movie only made like a million point three dollars. I think it said in the yeah, Wikipedia I, page. Like, I, I didn't even know when it came out. I just like somebody recommended it to me one day. Like it was just on there. Like, yeah, I don't know how this movie I, really just didn't do anything. It just showed up one day. There's just so much that's happening, kind of below the surface, and oh, uh, since, below. Since the uh, uh, imagery, so I feel like is so specific in a lot of scenes. There has to be more. <laughs> to it then i'm like i'm reading into it uh off totally the i'm of watches i'm i'm totally convinced that there is a the separate puzzle within this movie that the director hated. oh there there is there definitely is there there is dude there is like zodiac symbolism on the dolls of, yeah uh, really, monroe really, really. and betty grobble and uh lauren bacall you know like there was yeah. there's stuff going on that i have no idea anything about but there's yeah. there's some type of hidden message with that within this movie and it's really mean that the director would do something like this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they have me convinced vanna white is like a illuminati like 33rd yeah. level freemason like i'm convinced she has something to do with like I don't but know. She, but, uh, she's just a pawn, man. She's just uh she just gets she, she gets a little unmarked envelope before the show begins and that's she right. pulls it out and it's like up left, right, left, left, right. Yeah. And that's like what she has to do with the like, code. Yeah, yeah. it's just <laughs> like she, it's just uh, how to unlock different uh secret characters yeah. in uh Mortal Kombat. It's yeah, exactly. what Vanna White's telling us. It's tight. Check out this new fatality I learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what the crazy comic guy is like letting us know. He's like, yo, there's there's the weird stuff everywhere. You just have to pay attention for it. Um, and that guy is creepy. And I've seen him in different things. I've yeah. I wrote I wrote down his name somewhere. Patrick Fischler? Fisher? Patrick Fischler, something along those lines. Anyway, that dude is creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and he nails that part. That that character is is really, really good and well done. Um, the inside of that house is creepy yeah, as hell. The, the faces on the walls. That's See, so that was the thing. I knew that was supposed to be creepy, but I was actually really into that as like a conceptual art piece. Like, uh, yeah, you want that. Yeah. <laughs> like, why don't I have that in my house? Yeah. <laughs> 
But I'm like, yeah, it is creepy. And the fact that he just has them kind of like nailed to the wall with like those little like uh, uh, like print sticker things that you make from the like label yeah. maker machines. Like that's what he has like labeling and, all of them. And there, there's the, no order to them yeah. at all. So he has Abraham Lincoln next to Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> that's two, two of the greatest humans of our time for sure. Right, right. Um, right. Yeah, you really got to put those next to each other. Um I love that in the scene, he's, you know, explaining like the concept of the map on the cereal box and like, this is it. This is like the key. And Sam is just at the end, like, okay, like this guy is just, you know, kind of nuts. But then it circles back and he becomes like completely, you know, down with what he was saying and realizes that the guy was actually right. I do want to point out too, real quick, um, after he leaves the comic dude's house and he is walking up that hill to go talk to Topher, uh, for grace um that's the exact same house that is in seven psychopaths i, I have that as a note <laughs> yeah oh. I, I, yeah it's the exact same shot and everything it's up that hill you see the skyline downtown everything in that white house on the left hand side that's in seven psychopaths as soon as i saw that i'm like oh i know where this <laughs> <So> is <funny>. <laughs> can't <laughs> fool me yeah Tolfer, that was a that like threw me for a loop when I first noticed it because I didn't recognize him at first with the beard yeah. and the gauges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the first scene I didn't even I didn't it didn't register. Yeah. it was until he was flying the drone. I, yeah. I picked up on it. And like I, I I heard it in his voice first. He said something, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh wait, that sounds familiar." And then I looked Eric? at his face. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's Topher." <laughs> <laughs> Eric. He's just guy. like he's just like some creep with a drone that's like spying on women while in the yeah. apartments. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't really get his character. Like what? Like I, I guess what his character was bringing to the table. It, it's such a small role too, and that's what's weird. Like why is it Topher Grace that is in this movie? <laughs> It's it's weird and yeah. So what what is going on with the woman in the drone video? Yeah, she's just crying with her shirt off. She's yeah, she's I like a, like yeah. What is she like a, a crazy like hot like trophy wife of like some terrible human? Like what is yeah? What is <laughs> she get I, like yeah. Like, were the, was there an audience in that room where she had to go, like, sit down on the couch and take her shirt off? And then, like, yeah, what was going on there? I, I really want to know. Yeah. I have some, like, ideas and theories about pretty much everything else in this movie, but I couldn't figure that one out. I have no idea what was going on. She just seemed like she was in a really bad place to be. Right. And, like, you know, upon seeing her just, like, break down and crying, he's just like, Nope, still not gonna move the drone. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> watching this. <laughs> yeah, I know this is. And, this is getting bad. And I don't know if you've ever been near a drone when it's hovering about the height of a two-story window, but you can definitely hear it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you can't have a drone that close to the ground and expect people not to notice it. If there's just yeah. a drone chilling outside of my window, I'm probably gonna notice it. <laughs> probably yeah especially if, like she was facing directly yeah she was looking camera. out the window there's no way she didn't see that there's gonna be some lights on it or something yeah, yeah. but i guess that's that's your normal reaction i suppose if you see a drone staring into your house you take your shirt off and start crying i think that's the move that's what i do and they always fly away they, they leave quickly <laughs> <and> they <laughs> get right out of there like how he's doing it again <laughs> Like, oh, he's got a pint of ice cream this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so like, I, I just I have to ask like, what what the fuck with the owl lady? <laughs> well, 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 what do you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have I have some theories. I have a lot of theories. So yeah. like, she's terrifying though. Oh my god, she's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and I don't necessarily want to ask the question just yet whether or not she's real. but like i think she's upstairs in my house right now man (laughs) she's she was clearly afraid of the gun which makes me think that she's a just a regular person right like uh, assuming that like the uh assuming that she is real and she's not a phantom or something yeah and that like she's just involved with this whole like rich people society of like we want to be entombed underground and she's just like making sure people are not finding out the codes i guess i don't know like i just don't get it i don't get the character within the context of like if everything that we're seeing is real and actually happening mm-hmm. why would this like super powerful rich group of people send a naked lady in a owl mask to go assassinate people because <laughs> it looks yeah. cool. It looks it looks creepy as hell. Yeah, she's like Slender Man. Uh, the way she moves is is frightening. Uh, when yeah. she like steps she out of his cabinet in his oh, house yeah. when he's looking at the hole in the glass, uh, that leg and foot coming out. No, no. Mm. Uh, you got to put that down, and uh, <laughs> he, she's she's able to just kind of like tip, like slither away, like tiptoe away down the hallway, and just vanish into thin air. Um, if we are assuming that everything is true on the surface of this movie, then yeah, uh, she is the some hitman figure <laughs> attempting to stop uh, people from. Uh, uncovering the conspiracy afoot because i was totally ready or to something believe full. i don't know <laughs> that some like supernatural owl lady is coming around killing people i was totally on board i was ready to believe that in the story um but then when she was afraid of the gun and ran away i'm like oh maybe that's not the real owl lady i thought for a split second maybe the the girl that we've seen him hang out with a couple of times that he was sleeping with during the tennis match um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I was thinking maybe she, because she was reading the comic earlier, so maybe she was, like, trying to do some sort of, like, kinky roleplay thing or something. That's what my first thought was. I was like, maybe that's kind of the thing that she was doing. She's like, oh, shit, he's got a gun. And she just, like, took (laughs) off running. Um, But then, like, I've been hiding in this cabinet for four hours, (laughs) and now he has a gun. (laughs) That is crazy. Um, But then when she disappeared, I'm like, okay, that theories thrown out the window (laughs) he's checking in his sock drawer to see if she's in there yeah (laughs) and then the cops come the cop comes with the landlord and you're not like oh good hey go check my my damn bedroom man there's a crazy owl lady in there like help me out can you go double check my sock drawer for me i think there's a crazy owl lady in there (laughs) excuse me um you check under my bed for the the bad lady so you're gonna have to come with us (laughs) yeah I'm Please, not just give me day. a few more days. I'm, I almost have the money. Like, nobody here <laughs> believes that. <laughs> no, you don't understand. I met the homeless king. <laughs> oh, God, the homeless king. I rubbed James <laughs> Dean's head, and I met the homeless king. 
<laughs> what don't you understand about this? Yeah, about that part. So when he like when he cracks that code and it's you know, what is it? It's rub Dean's head, uh, weight under Newton. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, oh, I, I got. It. What the hell does that mean? It's like how do you know you got it? <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's like going through the different deans. It's like dean of emissions. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it, pretty good figuring it out, though. I mean, I guess like, yeah. I guess an LA native would have figured that out, but still, like that's not the easiest. Yeah, thing I, I would have never figured that out. I, I guess the word puzzle part of it, like once you have something that actually spells something out coherently, mm-hmm. you're like, that has to be it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it would be too random for me to go down this rabbit hole, find all these letters, have it say this exact thing, and have it just be totally nothing. Um, or you're just you know a crazy he's convincing him. <laughs> yeah, you're convincing yourself that it's actually a thing, although it it seemed like it was. Um, I mean, if even the freaking homeless king is a real person. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Does but, uh, anybody else ever interact with the homeless king? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I feel like we're we're getting close to the uh, to diving into the conspiracies. But uh, before we do, what uh, what do you guys think of the songwriter? The songwriter. He was. That was going to be the next thing I was going to bring up. He the, his scene is my favorite scene of the whole movie. I love it Definitely. so much. Um, his whole like I really don't give a shit kind of attitude and he's just like laughing and singing and playing the piano the whole time and he's just like everything you've ever known is a lie yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. everything you love I created <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he steals the movie in a lot of ways I don't know who that guy was I tried to look him up on there but I yeah. couldn't find him but he I, uh, did, I didn't recognize him he's so good yeah I, just, I did this da, 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 and I did this da, da, da. F you you know it's, it's fantastic your entire yeah. childhood's a lie spitting in his face kurt cobain is a phony yeah. <laughs> like, what it's like take take that shitty stratocaster i don't care that guy sucked i made his music yeah. i did it yeah. so good. yeah that might have been his guitar i don't know <laughs> i made it on a piano it's like don't tell yeah. me that yeah. it wasn't written on distorted guitar <laughs> don't don't tell me that man but yeah Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that the anger that starts to build up yeah. in Sam as he's like, yeah, realizing like this is all I've been living a lie this entire time. Um, you would make you want to go smash dude's face, and <laughs> but so yeah. it kind of starts to go into the conspiracies a little bit here. But like the songwriter knew someone was coming, like he was armed to the teeth behind that piano, he knew he was there, yeah. you know, waiting, and he had this like kind of monologue idea of what he was gonna do to the guy that rolled up on him. Uh, but all of that seems very fictional. Uh, him walking to the guy's house, all of a sudden it turns very cartoony uh, mm. with the, the the big mansion, you know, at the top of the hill, like Citizens Kane ass stuff all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, like th- from that jump on until he actually kills the songwriter and like it, a big crack in his face just appears and like black oil is uh, you know popping out of the the hole yeah um what's real and what's not in that i have no idea but he does take the gun from him and that's like a physical thing that he keeps tucked for the rest of the movie so 
I don't I don't know, but it's a really cool scene. And uh, for a guy that like uh, he's like the richest guy around, like it was really easy to sneak into his property and go into his house. And so, yeah, we're talking about like, is it real or not? I mean, he would have guards, he would have cameras, he would have something like, you know. Mm-hmm. You would assume. You would assume. You know, or maybe he just likes to, he, he really doesn't give a damn. He just likes to live life on the edge. He has, uh, he always ha- he's always packing because every once in a while a conspiracy nut figures out a pattern <laughs> yeah. and shows yeah. up on his doorstep. <laughs> and so he's just like, yeah, as long as this guy doesn't stay violent, we'll sit here and I'll taunt him and sing to him and tell him the truth. But as soon as he makes an aggressive movement, just firing his gun at him as quick as he can. It's it seems off like uh, once he enters the house, you know, he's like in this weird like kitchen. Uh nobody else like in a, the house except that guy. Yeah, yeah, nothing going on. But like the yeah. rooms he's walking through are just like very normal, ordinary rooms until he gets into the room with the songwriter and all of a sudden everything is grand and mm-hmm. there's instruments everywhere and you know like obviously very expensive instruments famous people's instruments and uh it's it's like he's his imagination is working overtime in that room but it didn't really do much throughout the rest of the house which makes me mm-hmm. kind of lead that some of that is fake most of that is fake yeah or at least the way that it went down is fake i think he probably killed the songwriter it didn't happen with uh, the fender going into the guy's face and black oil <laughs> coming out though. But he like, uh, whichever way it turns, unless it ends up just being totally fictional, but like he still just pretty casually murders somebody and then moves on with his life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Real or not. Like he experienced that yeah. and he's living with that and, and it didn't seem to really bother him that much. Nope. <laughs> um, We've seen him like start to level up throughout the film, like assuming he's running around killing dogs. Then he beats up the children, which they probably right, deserve. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, don't hit a kid. It, I mean, don't do that. But you know, also I'm not going to judge you. Don't don't key a dick into the hood of my car. Also, yeah, please don't. <laughs> like, yeah. that yeah. large. Also, yeah, it's, uh, you're you're asking for it, children. You really are. Uh, if you're going to do it, get out of there. Uh, don't hang around to see the crap. They're probably not going to do it again. I, mean, I guarantee they won't. I, I, they won't. I agree. You shouldn't beat children, especially like full on punch to the face. Yeah, really, like, that kid was spilling yeah. blood. <laughs> but like, yeah. also at the keep same time, stomach. kids. Stop giving people a reason to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're yeah. saying here on Useless Critics. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't condone the punching of kids, but it was good to see it in the movie. That's right. Yeah, it has to happen sometimes. Um, but uh, so then, you know, he does that, and then he ends up actually killing the guy on camera, um, and that's like the one body we know he actually has on his his record, and mm-hmm. there might be more. I think there, there might are be more. a lot of dogs. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's another sorrow. thing. Like, like that. It, it almost seems like he's intention. Like he looks like that intentionally. Like because he, he looks kind of fake, and the makeup isn't that great on him. You know, I just think everything about this movie is intentional. So I, I mean, I don't. I feel like there's something there. They could have done better makeup on that guy to make him look old or whatever. You know, I guess maybe this guy is like hundreds of years old right 
He, he like wrote Mozart uh, stuff. They named it in place. And... I, he said that he wrote like his father. He, it's like I wrote what your father father listened to. I wrote what right, your father right. listened to. I wrote what you're listening to. I I, did, I don't think he's like internal or eternal. I I don't think he. Uh, I, I think he's just an old man that started his career probably very young, but he's clearly like psychotically gifted, you know, if yeah. he's a real human and all that's true, you know, he's able to just come up with the greatest hits out of thin air. It seems like, like he described it between a blow job and an omelet. Like this is nothing for me. Yeah. I wipe my nose, you know, and yeah. greatness comes out. So yeah. <laughs> this guy yeah. is like supremely talented and he probably has some type of power to him. Um, that line that like he wrote that song somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet because he doesn't care about like the, the stuff that he's making about the cultural impact that all these things have. He doesn't seem to care about any of that. Why would he specifically remember what was happening when he wrote that song? I don't think he actually did know what was happening when he wrote the song. He just lives his life perpetually between an omelet and a blowjob. And so <laughs> I guarantee it was <laughs> he's like it was at least it happened in between these two events. <laughs> That's all yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> Every morning, first thing I do is I eat an omelet. Last thing I do before I go to bed, I get a blowjob. Everything happens between these two things. <laughs> Which hey, not a bad way to live your life. Um but yeah, Riley, uh uh to your point about how old he was if we're to believe his claims of everything that he made, um, one of the songs he claims to have written was Ode to Joy, uh, mm. uh, which is uh, from uh, Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 9, mm. <laughs> which uh, was... Uh, made back in like the 1820s <laughs> yeah. never mind he's uh omnipresent uh he is a musical god <laughs> he is the the physical embodiment of pop culture throughout all time what a piece and... of shit <laughs> He is kind of a and, piece of shit. <laughs> and the uh and the elite lizard people that uh walk mm -hmm. among us Mm -hmm. he, that's i mean that's that's what i like most about that character it's just like he's he's that embodiment of that lizard person that you know might be running our country or might be you know running hollywood or you know somebody that's been alive for centuries it makes sense They're, the insides are even different yeah you know yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah, yeah. brains and a skull that popped out that dude it was motor oil yeah. <laughs> so yeah he's definitely lizard person for sure i i want to i want to dive into uh, a couple of specific examples of some of the imagery that you is used not necessarily like what the imagery is supposed to represent just some of the the like art design that i feel like is really really cool um yeah so the you already mentioned when he's going up to the songwriter's house and there's the painting that he's walking into. It's like, mm -hmm. it's clearly like a, a, some sort of painting or something. Uh, and then we see a similar scene where he, he's walking into something that's clearly just like a drawing or painting of some kind. And it's when he's in the tunnels. And like, you see him again, like walking away 
And it's yeah. just like that same kind of thing where it's clearly he's walking into some kind of animation. Um, I feel like that was very, those two things were very specific because mm-hmm. like it, in this day and age, it's easy enough to, you know, have an actual picture or video of something happening or even a digital something or other that looks realistic and then you have your actor do something in front of green screen and you just throw it in there because they're both very short shots like they don't linger for especially long Mm -hmm. but like just the having that instead of some other like more realistic cgi version um i i really i really liked that i also thought that it helps play into the whole like what is reality, what is fantasy kind of motif that goes on throughout the whole movie. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like, because those are two like pretty fantastical places that he goes throughout the story. Like these like hidden tunnels under the city of Los Angeles that lead to, uh, what, what, what were they calling them? Tombs for rich people. Um, and then like this like, mythical songwriter that has written every popular song throughout history and is the puppet master behind everything that you hold dear. Um, yeah, bo- both of those, I-, I loved the kind of the-, the art design leading into it. And then one of the other things, it's a little bit different, but curious as to your thoughts on it. Uh, when he goes skinny dipping with uh uh mm. what, what was what was he killed her millicent <laughs> uh, millicent millicent was her name um he goes skinny dipping with her and then all of a sudden they start getting shot at and they're just like wait what's what's that going on around us and then he like finally puts it together oh someone's shooting at us so they dive underwater and then she gets shot and is like floating in the water the playboy cover but yeah she's like posed mm-hmm. like the playboy cover that we've been seeing since the beginning of the movie. Do you think that's like something like important to the movie or part of the separate puzzle that the directors created? <laughs> I think it has to be part of the movie. Like, I think, I think that th- that's one of the biggest scenes that make me think most of what we're seeing isn't actually happening. Mm hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's an imagery. He already like talked about his association with the magazine. It's like something he stole from his dad years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think is what he, what he said. So like the fact that he has like an, a close connection, a close like affiliation to that imagery already. And then having it pop back up reflected in one of the other characters in the movie and specifically being how a character dies. I think it's I think it's happening. I just don't think it's happening the way it was described or was told. Okay. Like mm-hmm. I think I think he killed her and threw her body in the reservoir. I don't think it happened the way it played mm. out, like how we saw. Because when she goes, "Have you ever been in the reservoir before?" You know, like talking about like going to skinny dipping and nobody swims in a reservoir. Want to know what oh. you do in a reservoir? You dump bodies in a reservoir. That's what you do, <laughs> and that's what he was doing. I think he he uh, decided that he was gonna you know kill her. Uh, he, he saw the bracelet. He needed that bracelet, and uh, he killed her and dumped her body in the reservoir. Um, so you, you so you think he, he's he's a murderer? You think he, yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah. I think he's killing. He's, he's yeah. I think killed. he's he's dropping people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 he might be. Just like I think he killed the the songwriter. I just don't think it played out the way that we saw it on the screen. 
I think that like what what you're saying, Nick, about the you know the the paintings that he's walking into, and that it's very uh, it, it it it's like a fantasy. You know, it's like we're being like like we're walking into a dreamland almost. So like I think those moments, I think those moments are fabricated. I think those are fake, and I think uh, you know like the, these uh, like the 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 dogs being killed, but we didn't really ever see any dead dogs right except for the one dream that he had except for the one dream again right so like i th- i think i mean and and uh, yeah i guess we can get more into it but i think most of the stuff that's happening in this is is fake i'm ready to have that conversation whenever you yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we should talk we should talk about the end scene real quick too okay. so he kills millicent and he's looking at the bracelet and he's figuring out the coordinates and everything. And then he goes and he takes the the box that he got uh, from the comic guy and he starts to put all that together and he figures out where to go, finally. Uh, the, the moves on the chessboard. Also, real quick too, about the uh, the comic book guy that died. Um, the, are the cops in all, or the cops in on this conspiracy as well? Because we saw the blood stain on the guy's bed. You don't kill yourself that way. <laughs> no one, no one kills themselves with that much blood. You know, it's you do it quick. You know, you put a gun in your mouth, or you, you, you know, take pills. You're not just gonna cut yourself in the stomach and bleed out. You know, um, yeah. I guess unless your knives out. But uh, like the the cop was just like, yeah, suicide for sure, and then just drives away. It's like, well, it probably wasn't. <laughs> and you see when Sam walks up to the back window that the the bars on the back window were clearly torn open before he even got there. It's like, there was clearly forced entry into this house. What do you mean that like, Oh, it's clearly suicide. It's like, I don't think it was clearly suicide. <laughs> no, a, a guy like as paranoid as this guy clearly was with the bars everywhere, like triple, triple gated in the front. Yeah. Cameras everywhere. He, he clearly was not looking to harm himself. You know, if you're somebody like that, you're you're protecting yourself, not trying to kill yourself. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if the cops are in on all of this or not, but that was a, a kind of a red flag. That was strange, I thought. Um, I don't even know what, how you describe it. The outdoor, the outdoor tomb area, the outdoor like compound uh, where the uh, the rich folk are drinking ayahuasca before they get locked in their forever tombs yeah um how do what do you guys think about that scene it took a turn i didn't expect it to play out the way that it did yeah (laughs) um but like okay so as he's like walking up onto the place and you see the like shack and these like statue idol things like chilling out in the in the front yard (laughs) um you're like okay there's clearly some sort of like secret society shenanigans happening (laughs) um that these are like that he's about to run into some crazy people because you don't do that unless you're yeah no yeah crazy cold (laughs) people um crazy cold people uh and then like the fact that uh sarah ends up being alive and they're yeah. just like oh yeah we can give her a call if you want <laughs> it's like yeah. wait what <laughs> <laughs> and he the way the guy talks about how is like oh yeah but the phone only calls in you can't call out and it's like they had a problem with people trying to call yeah. out 
<laughs> it's like, yeah, how, how is this thing staying so secret when you guys, like, clearly have had, like, some slip-ups? And you're putting this information out just, like, into the general public through, like, songs and stuff. It seems like you're trying to get people... Mm. Oh, we it. might be onto something, Nicholas. We might be onto <laughs> something there. Um, yeah, I, I thought the, uh, the the scene between Sam and Sarah, the conversation was really good too. Uh, it got me not emotional, but like you know, a little felt a little something there. It was it was kind of a pulling on the heartstrings a little bit. I thought Sarah's awesome in this. I forget the actress's name. I I've seen her in some other things. I really like her, um, but she's doing kind of like the Vanna White thing in that conversation where she's like kind of like looking around and like mm. stretching and like doing weird stuff. Uh, yeah. All the women in this this movie are kind of like almost unbelievable. They have like an air of like, they're all whimsical kind of. Um, I don't know, they all like kind of move similarly. They're just, there's something unreal about every single one of them. And I don't know if that's mm. Sam's projections of like what he thinks a woman should be like or what, but there's something, there's like kind of, kind of a theme between all the, the women in this movie like that, except for his ex. She didn't really have that at all. She seemed um, like just a normal she person. She's pretty, pretty plain. <laughs> pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah. She didn't have like the, all the other stuff going on. She wasn't dressed, you know, crazy or wasn't moving strange or talking weird. I don't know. It's like, she was kind of disassociated with all of that. Um, but for you know him to realize that you know Sarah is not coming out of the tomb, that this is you know what it is now. She's she's gone, um, and then he wakes up with the the homeless king again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that conversation is strange. Uh, he he's clearly upset with Sam because he finds the dog treats on him. So his assumption is that this guy is probably the dog killer. Something that he's not okay with. He keeps pressing about it. Like, why, you know, why do you have these dog treats? Why do you have these dog treats? And Sam, you know, is coming up with excuses. But then he says about his ex, like, you know, I just wanted to rub the dog's head and give it a treat and everything was going to be okay. You know, everything would go back to normal. Um, so is he taking out his anger of his ex on dogs or women in general on dogs? Because I, I think that's what's I, happening. I think that dogs are a metaphor for women. women. Yeah. 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 Because the only people that ever bark in this movie, like out of nowhere, and it's very unsettling exactly, each time that happens, yeah. it's women. They start barking. Exactly. And that the, I didn't like any of that. The no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's like some type of, yeah, he sees women as dogs or there's there's definitely women is dogs metaphor in this. Yeah, women real lady. Women's, women are lady dogs. killer. Yeah, so I think that blends together. He's both. Although he killed a guy too, I think. Anyway, Maybe. Nick, what do you? How do you want to start talking about the? the yeah, should we just start here? diving in? I've got a couple on deck. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just let's just dive into it. Okay, I I I I, I got one. Um, so I think that Sarah, the blonde, is. It, it, she symbolizes his ex. Okay. Uh, so when when he meets her, it's a quick romance, an unusually quick sort of romance between them. They're all, together on the bed. Things are going, you know, 
things are uh, going in his favor, right? Mm-hmm. He's excited about it. And then it's suddenly cut off. And they're, he leaves, they're separated. He doesn't know what just happened. He's, you know, he's kind of thrown off by this. And then she's gone forever. She just vanishes. And then he's like, like, what the hell just happened? Like, we just, like, I thought we had something, you know, so on and so forth. And then she's just gone. That was unbelievable what happened to me last night. And now it's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to find out what happened. <laughs> and, and so throughout the whole movie, he keeps bringing her up and asking people about her and, uh, like a recently uh, broken up person would do, you know, they're they're constantly talking about their ex because you know they're trying to heal their wounds and all that stuff, and they want her back, and and he he just wants her back throughout the whole movie. What do you guys think? Um, I I think I think less to a degree that she would represent his ex, and more just like the life he wish he could have again like she represents like hitting the reset button uh on like what his failed relationship was um and so i feel like that's he's he's much more into the idea of this girl than who she actually is he doesn't know anything about her yeah um and that's like part of the thing like they have this like one pseudo romantic encounter and then beyond that there's there's nothing there of substance between them um he doesn't even really like fantasize about her at all like it doesn't show him like trying to build something up that's not really there so i think just like she represents the potential for like a happy ending which he feels like he's missed out on Mm-hmm. leaving his uh after he broke up with his ex but he he, he can't like he's you know and it's like the the stench you know his smell the being sprayed by a skunk if he was even sprayed by a skunk um because you know that might not be real also um but that stench is what he is going through right he's going through the breakup He's ignoring his responsibilities and not paying his rent. He doesn't have a job. You know, he's about to get kicked out of his place. Uh, so there's this stench coming from him that, like uh, you said, Remington, even before he gets uh, uh, sprayed by the skunk, uh, his uh, sex friend uh, points out that sex. there's there's a stench. There's something, you know, something doesn't smell right. Uh, you know, and it's depression that's what it is yeah and that that continues yeah that and that continues throughout the entire movie and like none of the the only per the only male that comments on his smell is the homeless king and <laughs> he and he brings it up twice and he says like he's like man you you smell bad when he's leading him like through griffith park is what i assume that is to the tunnel initially and then at the end when the homeless king pops out of the tunnel when he is tripping off ayahuasca and he was like how did you find me and he said we smelled you he said, we smelled you. So who is the homeless king working with? I think it all ties into the Al's kiss and that woman. Because I think the Al's kiss is the balloon lady from all the parties. The chick that Ooh. is what has the balloons attached to her at all times. They're kind of the same height, same body shape, and they move very strangely, both of them. And I think mm. that entire little pack of girls, 
her and then the two women that were in the movie in the movie mm-hmm. that were rolling with the guy with the and she comes over later they're the shooting stars it's the shooting stars crew right i think that entire crew was like uh they, they were like the wives to like one of the rich powerful men that were going to be locked up in a tomb and they mm-hmm. like decided against it like no we're not we're not doing that anymore and they decided to like seek revenge against this this cult uh people that are using women in hollywood uh they're they're seeking revenge against those types now i don't really know how that necessarily ties into uh sam because they're trying to off him but the homeless king is keeping you know close eyes on this guy obviously and i think the women are also um it's almost like they set him up to go kill the storyteller because mm. they because it was those three girls that led him to the house that's and that's maybe it's possible that you know they keep telling sam throughout the movie that the messages aren't for you what if the messages are for sam that they were trying the the cults you know the elites were trying to get somebody to kill the songwriter for them without point blank going in and doing it themselves because at the very end of the movie the the main rich or the rich guy that's going to go into the tomb with the three women that he's talking to sipping ayahuasca he has a quote of it costs a lot more to murder people without being harassed about it and he kind of says that out of nowhere when he's talking about like yeah it costs a lot to build a tomb but it costs a lot more to murder people without being harassed about it possibly they set him up to go kill the songwriter Mm. yeah I like I like that connection. Wow. Hmm. Just a thought. Now, but why wouldn't they be targeted by the you know the uh, the songwriter or you know the wh- whoever's running the the main cult? I think I think the songwriter has a lot of power and everything, obviously. But I think the the cult, the like the true elites, maybe thought like this is about the songwriter's time. You know, his time's come to an end. We're going to move in a different direction here. They let it and, happen. And this guy has so much pull and everything. He needs to be, he needs to be X'd out. We can't just let him wander the earth. You know, mm-hmm. he needs to die. Um, so as opposed to like hiring someone, something that could be like traced back to them potentially, they create these crazy messages without even the storyteller really knowing what he's doing. And it gets sent out in the, the world. Somebody picked it up and then somebody went and murdered him. So maybe that was what they wanted the entire time. Hmm. <laughs> nah. hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 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 homeless signals, the homeless like uh-huh. signs. Yeah. Um is that a real thing? Yeah. Hobo code? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um this? Yeah. Because the the uh he gets the little pamphlet about it from the, the comic guy, right? It's like that guy just right. is like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that means. Here's a helpful <laughs> pamphlet that gives you all the information you're going to need. Um, and that was that was a little weird that he knew exactly what that specific symbol meant. Uh, but, yeah, like railroad code, like that's it was a thing for sure. And I'm probably still is. I don't know. But it was it's definitely a thing. Um, what, what do we think that Sam like? What's his job? What's his occupation? I know he's like currently unemployed or whatever, but it seems like he's like a writer of some sorts or like had some success in Hollywood. Cause people keep asking like, how's, how's work? Like, it seems like he had like a nice property or something sold a nice property 
and he's been like kind of resting on his laurels and now you know the time is ticking <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's running out of money very fast but everybody is a lot of people in his life keep asking him how how's work how are you, you know what's going on and he keeps shading the question just like a writer who's not writing would do you know um you know the girlfriend asked him about it and everything and he kind of ducks it uh other people ask him and then at the end he's like you know people keep asking about work people pe keep asking about work so like he's just very stressed about what he's not doing um and which that would make sense why he has all these weird industry connections as well like he's just a guy that just shows up to all these parties and no one bats an eye, yeah. even though he's wearing clothes that are like way out of the ordinary of what everybody else is wearing like he shows yeah. up at the one party where his ex is and he's wearing pjs he's wearing a t-shirt and pjs yeah. he walks by one of the women in the crowd and she goes oh nice t-shirt and he just kind of stares at her he's wearing a plain white t-shirt like yeah. why why would she you know say that like you know i is he's there but he's just going to i don't know is it possible that he wrote the under the silver lake comic Ooh. Who's the comic guy that did that? Or if that comic guy doesn't exist. It, yeah, that, he's like made made all yeah. that up himself. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I don't really know. I, I didn't really know what to take from it. But the interaction that he has with the the the, uh, the employee at the bookstore. And mm -hmm. he like slips him a five. And he's like, give this guy my number. I feel like uh, that was kind of weird. And the guy was kind of like, uh, I don't think like, you know, like, you can keep your five. Like, I'm going to. You know, so it's it's kind of like he was gonna tell Sam to call him, or like, you know, he, he seemed kind of confused by what he was asking him. Kind of, I, I don't know. There's there's something weird there. I think when we go back to figure out the uh, the puzzle in this movie, I think that's something to replay. Yeah, and when the sex with uh, sex with friends with benefits chick is reading the comic to him uh, in the bathroom, benefits. sex with benefits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have sex and you get a four hundred one k from it. It's fire. Whoa, yeah. Uh, um, but there, she's reading the comic to him in the in the bathtub, or he's in the bathtub, and uh, she's like not really getting it. She's like, okay, this is all super weird and everything. And then he goes into this like crazy monologue defending you know, like the concepts that are being talked about in that comic. He is a little yeah. sensitive about it. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> don't talk crap about my work, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> type thing. So maybe, right, maybe. I, I want to say that guy existed though, but who knows? We never see the body get, like leaving and we just see that blood stain. And so- Top, like I said, is kind of being weird. Yeah. And like the, the blood stain thing, like you said, there was a lot of blood and it's like a weird, a wild way to kill yourself. Um, but I think that, I mean, again, you know, this is just another potential theory, but he did kill himself. So maybe he did kill himself. Maybe the owl represents suicide or that thing in your brain that kills you. Um, so when he's, when he draws the gun on, on the owl later, uh, that will get scared and runs away. So he's like, that's like him putting the gun to his head and then the owl in his head ends up running away. And it's like gone. Did, did it go out the window? Did it go in a sock drawer? Who knows? You know, the thing is, again, it's, it's, it, that thing, that thing can't be real, right? The owl lady? The, the owl lady can't be real. I think the owl lady's real, dude. <laughs> I think the owl lady's real. So the owl lady was just waiting in his cabinet or is there well, so like maybe underground or like? 
so, uh, so I think, as I was saying before, I think that like the shooting stars click, they're very much in on this cult world because they kind of escaped it to some degree, but they, they came from it. I think they have access to the tunnels. We saw the tunnel that he initially went through, like ended up behind like the refrigeration in a Safeway or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe there's a tunnel that leads directly to his cabinet or something Maybe. like that. Yeah. Or she just yeah. she just hid there for how long, which that sounds like something a psychotic bird woman would do as well. <laughs> I think most of the big elements that move the plot forward are potentially all the things that are that didn't actually happen. Okay. So like <laughs> he did see and peep on this cute blonde girl that was down at the pool and was checking her out and saw her go into her place. And then he totally imagined the interaction he had with her. Um, and then, like, okay, mm-hmm. one thing we didn't even talk about was the freaking pirate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the pirate guy that just keeps showing up in random places yeah. and see, somehow, like, yeah. is the, like, connecting thread for some of the, like, investigation that this guy is going through. And yeah. it's like, I feel like that's just, like his brain trying to make connections where there are no connections. He like, uh, sees this girl thinks she's cute, hallucinates this whole interaction with her and then ends up seeing the pirate guy. And then like, he's looking for her later on. He follows one of the girls that like showed up at the apartment and he like spends all day following her and her friends around the, Mm -hmm. the pirate guy like shows up and like, takes the bag from the girls when they're on the little like paddle boat which is so hitchcocky the the music the score yeah. that happens during that he's just like running up and like he's just gone it's so good yeah. yeah i don't think that guy is real at all i think it's just his brain trying to make connections where there's absolutely no connection mm-hmm. mm. that's that's pretty much my big thing and then he ends up uh i think the the part where he's in his apartment with the the uh, one of the girls, the girl who was also in the movie that they were watching at the cemetery, um, mm. when he like hires her and she shows up at his place, I think that whole interaction is real. I think all the interactions he has with his his sex friend um, are real. Uh, but basically, benefits. all the all the interconnecting parts that like lead him from one place to another are total fabrications. I think the mm. I think the uh, the songwriter is a fabrication. I think the homeless king is a fabrication. Um, I think so too. I agree. I'm on the other hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, well, I, uh, I like that. The the things that do confuse, like why I think I'm right and why I think I'm wrong too, is like kind of the same because uh, the move, the song, <laughs> the main song throughout this movie is "Turning Teeth." That's the name of Jesus's band song and that's the one that he gets the lyrics from and everything and the lyrics of that song are basically what happens in the movie and that kind of Mm. makes me believe that it's like targeted to sam as well like that he's supposed to be getting this messaging but seventh heaven which is the uh the janet gayer uh movie that keeps getting brought up throughout this movie that movie is also about the movie that we just saw. It's a, the seventh heaven is about uh, a prostitute getting saved uh, by a guy. And then like their journey 
and that's this guy's Sam is trying to save, you know, assuming she's somewhat of a sex worker, possibly, you know, uh, Sarah. So there's two different things that are going on to describe the events of the movie. And now I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I thought I had a good thing going. I don't know. I, I really. <laughs> and like, but, I mean, but I, I think uh, wouldn't that kind of that might prove that it's all fake? Maybe, maybe I mean that song is real, but he's you know he's listening to it over and over and going crazy listening to the lyrics. He thinks it's about him and what's going on with him. But yeah. we're just seeing it that way because the movie's from his perspective. Yeah. So he's still being an unreliable narrator, even when we're just listening to music that's happening around him. Yeah. And that, you know, that happens with music. You listen to a song and the lyrics just connect with you specifically for whatever reason. And it, you know, you take it to heart and it, it uh, you know, it, then you have a special connection with that song. If you're depressed and paranoid, you know, it can lead you down a rabbit hole maybe. Mm. No, I think it'll happen. Um, so, <laughs> the 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 millicence the millicence that the scene is really hard for me too to figure that out. And that's the other time he actually has a conversation with another homeless person. Um, yeah. and he talks about how he doesn't like the homeless, but. I don't know how that. I feel like there's something there with the homeless king. I don't know. I I'd have to. I need to rewatch that scene again. I, there has to be like some type of, like reference, just because that's the only other homeless person. You know. I don't. Yeah. Uh, also, in that scene, like you pointed out, like you, you you're not gonna go swimming there. Like that's not. <laughs> that's not right. what you normally do. Um, I would say especially if you're like in a fancy dress coming from a big high end party. You're not going to be like, oh, you know what? Why don't I just like in my high heels jump this fence and we'll go skinny dipping together? <laughs> no. Well, maybe though. If you're you, you might be at the end of your rope. Your dad just got murdered. He was kidnapped and murdered. Maybe you're you know like you're probably going a little crazy. Uh, who knows? Um, maybe the the elites wanted her off also. Because she, she was starting she to unravel, that. she was starting to unravel that yeah. there was something going on with her dad, and then Sam, who is like the Muncherian candidate right now, just like waiting to murk anybody that gets close to the conspiracy. What if he's uh, a what's what's that guy's name who killed Lennon? Uh, Mark uh, David Chapman. What what if he's going full on Stark Chapman Raven Madness? Where he's just like the like. I got I got the secret message that told me that I needed to take care of this problem, <laughs> and so he's like, like you said, the the all the music and everything is like, uh, or there's like two separate storylines that are like directly associated with what's happening in the movie, and they're like, uh, they keep being brought up over and over again. And it's because he keeps, like he was saying, he sees patterns all around him. What if he's actually like getting the subliminal message from all of these things and he's just like going around murdering all of these people? 
I think that's what's happening. I think <laughs> I think Sam is basically walking around with a, a book, uh, The Catcher in the Rye. I right. think that's exactly what's happening. He's like, no, this book told me I had to kill the most famous artist of his generation. Like I had to do it. You know, I think it's I think it's similar. Uh, yeah. But I think the the girlfriend breaking up with him is what like started and kicked everything off. Road. Yeah. Yeah, it like kicked off his psychosis. Uh, and he's been in a very depressed, bad state ever since. Started taking it on dogs. Started to realize there's connections and songs. He got involved with this weird cult because he is somewhat linked in the entertainment business. And then, yeah, he started, started doing their, their dirty work for him, even though he didn't realize it. He thought he was uncovering conspiracy while he was just going around killing people that they wanted him to kill. And then the end. So the obviously the homeless king is in on all of this as well. You know, he's like he's like somewhat connected to this cult in a weird way. You know, he's obviously aware of the tunnel system. He's aware of like what they're doing down there. He he he's very much in the know of what is going on. Uh, he keeps his ear to the street. Obviously, as the homeless king, he picks things up. Oh, why? Yeah, why didn't he kill Sam at the end? Especially if he thought that he was the dog killer, which he kind of assumed that he was. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in the know about like what those weird cult people would be into, assuming that he's real and the cult's real. <laughs> I think that he is in, like, not in on it necessarily, but he's like he knows what's happening. Um, because like I said, we don't see him interact with anyone else except Sam throughout the movie. Even when he shows up at the end, he waits till the other, uh, four people are passed out before he emerges from the hatch that he was just waiting in underground. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's true. I think that he like knows a lot about what's actually all going on and, you know, maybe he has his own agenda that he's working on, but at the very least, he seems like he doesn't like he's trying to stay off of those other people's radar. Mm-hmm. But like when we first meet him, he just like emerges from the bushes, like he just comes out of nowhere, and he's just like, "Oh, this guy in a cardboard crown just showed up and was like, hey, I saw you uh, rubbing Dean's head over there.'" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> it just yeah it's it him being able to smell sam is my biggest hang-up and that's why i think he's connected to the the girls somehow because it was, it's always the girls that could smell him um and he's the one guy that can so i he's got to be connected to the girls somehow this was part one of under the silver lake keep an eye out for part two and if you're not subscribed why don't you do that That way you don't have to keep an eye out. It'll just let you know when it shows up. Also, you can follow us on our Instagram. Thanks for listening. Uh, Real quick too, Ryan, you you brought up the sticking comic book to his hand and it was all red. Well, that, that morning he walks out there and he sees the models funneling into the house for auditions. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, beware the dog killer spray painted on the ground there. The color of that spray paint is the same color on his hand. And I know like the gum was that like reddish purplish or pinkish color, nice. but it's also the same as that graffiti. So I'm wondering nice. if he, you know, after the gum incident went out there and tagged that and then like went right. back inside.
Caught him red-handed. Little Sam, uh, 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 under the silver light. 